Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. Today is January 25th, 2021, and I'm here uh, with all my good brothers from Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. Uh, we're here. Monday Main Point is our opportunity, uh, the opportunity we take, rather, to share with you our uh, sort of behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain a little bit of, of looking at the message, the Sunday morning sermon. And um, I'm here, uh, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, an associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon. I'm joined as always with uh, our youth pastor, Jeremiah Custer, our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. And uh, we are going to talk about Jude today. Well, not all of Jude, we're really looking at Jude uh, two verses in Jude um, from the message that Jeff brought yesterday entitled, uh, make sure I get this right, Jeff, Making a Difference, Making a Difference. I, I wanted to stop there because uh, each one of the points started with that and I couldn't remember, like, I know each each point was like, we can make a difference when we, and and then there's a there's each one of those things. We'll go through those, but making a difference, that's that's the thing. And, and when we're talking about making a difference here in terms of the message on Sunday, um, it, you know, there's lots of ways you could go with that title. Um, but clearly we're looking at uh, Jude 22 and 23. And I'm going to just read these verses. This is from the CSB version. Um, but it says, Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And so have mercy or make a difference or have compassion. It depends on the translation. Um, but the, the um, I think it's the, K, is it the original KJV that has the, the make, make, a, make a difference, right? The original King James Version has the make a difference there. And so the three points that we'll discuss here around the table, fellas, is we can make a difference when we have compassion on those whose faith is wavering. We can make a difference when we urgently try to rescue those who have fallen away. And we can make a difference when we show mercy to those who have fallen into sin. And um, so, so let's just start with that first one. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I was right before we started recording, I said this, but this was this is where I I. Um, I maybe uh, got the most excited in the, in the sermon because uh, for me, as an apologist, as a philosopher, um, it, it really, uh, and as somebody who struggles with doubt, has struggled with doubt in, uh, throughout their spiritual journey, um, that resonates with me. We can make a difference or we can, or have mercy on those who waver, have mercy or have compassion on those whose faith is wavering, who's dealing with doubt. And I know from talking to you, Jeff, and I'll just let you, because I know you, you kind of talk, touched on this yesterday, but um, part, uh, part of what drove you to this passage and started making you think about this particular sermon was this idea of will, when we come back or uh, that there are going to be those who, aren't, who are maybe struggling with doubt or not sure of themselves, not sure... Um, expand on that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Yeah, <clears throat> because, um, you know, we're in a brand new year, so we're still in January, and uh, we're, all, we're all coming back, and we all anticipated this brand new year and the, the vaccine and, uh, 
you know, hopes of opening up soon. And so I was, as I was thinking about that over the, the, the Christmas break and then over the uh, self-quarantine that I had, I had a lot of time to think about stuff and wonder about things. And um, so I just started thinking about, you know, a lot of people are going to have a lot of doubts when they, when they come back. And I was talking mm-hmm. about even in like the community, mm-hmm. people are just, they're going to be doubting things. They're going to be doubting themselves you know, doubting if they have a job or if they're going to make it, all those things. But then I'll start thinking about spiritually that there'll be a lot of church people that way too. Um, you know, we've been disconnected for so long. And a lot of times the importance of connecting and coming together is that you're with other people who are struggling with issues. Many times, some of the things, some things you are. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when you're together and everything, you can kind of help each other with your doubts and with your questions and you have good people to to uh, talk to and mentor um, in you know life groups things like that. But but in the case that we've been under, if someone's just been at home and uh, they've been by themselves, or they really don't have a good support group or connection, um, what are they going to do? And so when we open back up, maybe they'll be hesitant to come back, or maybe they come back with a lot of doubt uh, in light of you know what's going on with COVID. Maybe they lost a loved one and they're doubting now God's love for them or uh, they lost their job. or I mean, just everything coming into the church, too. And so what do you do with the people when they show up and they've been uh, struggling with doubt? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in our case, too, you know, with, with, with Jude's case, uh, with false teachers and people leading people from the, the true faith that was handed to them and mm-hmm. mixing them with, with uh, um, false teaching, uh, a lot of people have probably been exposed to, you know, different things out there too, and maybe they're coming back now, and maybe they're not really believing what they did before. Maybe they've got a lot of questions. So that was kind of the impetus of coming together for this sermon to think about that, and um, and that using that old King James version making a difference uh, that we can make a difference in people's lives. Um, and then through the translations, you find out there's actually three kind of people. We're going to talk about that. But the first one, yeah, is those that are, whose faith are wavering. They're having that that conversation in their mind and in their heart. Do I believe this or do I believe what this person says or what that person says? Or do I believe my eyes or do I try to believe my faith? So that's that's kind of where we're, where we're going on this. Yeah, I, I, I think that's great because I think there's a lot of people who, um, even outside of COVID, struggle with doubt. Um, Blake, I think you asked a question of everyone during during the kids' talk to raise their hand if they've ever struggled with doubt. And uh, I wasn't out there because it was back in the green. It was back in the back in the back room there, getting ready to come out with uh, to to lead worship. Uh, but my guess is you saw quite a few hands. There were quite there were many many hands for sure. And it just kind of reinforced what Jeff was saying that, like, yeah, there's a lot of people with even Christians still have a lot of doubt. Yeah, even outside of COVID. Yeah. I mean, like, even outside of the sort of circumstances that have led to, um, maybe led to people, like you said, Jeff, uh, being at home, thinking through things, maybe being influenced by false teachers and false gospels and things like that. And there's a lot of that stuff out there. I mean, our televisions and our entertainment systems and stuff and our, our computers uh, give us access to all kinds of misinformation out there now and it can just really lead people to struggle uh, even more with with doubt um, I don't know I just and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but have any of you guys ever really had that moment where 
uh, or maybe a time in your life where you struggle with doubt, where you actually um, really question your, the, the believability of, of like some of the Christian beliefs that you hold? I think for me personally, there um, there was a lot of doubt maybe within my probably age 12 to 14, mm-hmm. but that was mainly because I was just straight up living in sin, and that was just real confusing trying to live the double life. So not so much that I was really questioning Scripture, but it was almost like my sin was like tainting the view of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But for... Uh, but for me personally, sometimes even right now during coronavirus, I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I kind of struggle seeing like how God's working mm-hmm. in some in some scenarios because you see a lot of churches like having to shut down and all this. And I just, when you feel like you were getting like a lot of momentum before this was going on and then COVID hit and it's like, I, I was like, I don't know if the church was ready for this. Mm. and things like that so I know just you know as from one of your pastors personally there's a lot of times I've doubted but the Lord also does a lot of great works to show you that he's still he's still working so what about you guys yeah I mean like you know when you when you uh, struggle with a call we call that struggling with a call Mm -hmm. Uh, you leave everything behind you quit your job you go to seminary you move you you start looking for a position things like that And uh, and then you get involved in churches and you start working with people, and when things are different from what you expected, you kind of have a little bit of doubt. Like, uh, was this really, really worth it? Should I, you know, I could have just been a lay person and could have still volunteered and you know could have done all these things for Christ, um, and not have you know ninety percent of the heart heartbreak and the problems and all that I'm facing so so we all struggle with doubt in some ways doubt doubt of ourselves um, doubting you know sometimes whether God loves us or cares about us or has a will or a plan for our lives um, but but at the same time you know I struggle sometimes with doubt with other people like you know because um, you've seen so many people make professions of faith mm-hmm. and they fall away mm-hmm. um, you know is that person really sincere? Do they really believe? So it's an ongoing struggle that we all go through in different phases. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's our own belief system, but other times it's the belief system of others. And sometimes it's just like, like Kay was saying, just is God really, does he really care right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing to deal with that is to be honest that it, that it's there. And you're talking about a, a young man who's an old man now that's writing these scriptures that, that grew up with Jesus, the Messiah, his right. brother, right. and he and his whole family doubted sure. that he was really who he said he was. So so he was being honest about it. Mm-hmm. His brother James was honest about it. Peter was honest about it after he came back from his denial. Paul, even in his own life, struggled a lot. He even kind of questioned things. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist had doubt. Thomas had doubt. So... So for us to come in, and if you ever come in, I think um, Spurgeon said that if a man says he never doubts, then I doubt that he's really saved. Mm. That he was using doubt as a way of saying that if you're doubting, you you got the struggle going on, that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and life to pull you to the truth. Right. right. So, um, so I think the biggest thing is just being honest <clears throat> that it exists and then deal with it. Don't let doubt then pull you to the next step. 
Jeremiah is a youth pastor, um, uh, and Jeff served as one. I've served as uh, served as a youth pastor at one time, um, as a, or a student pastor. Um, I know that there are students who deal with doubt. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. Um, uh, even if you yourself haven't, um, I know you deal with students who have. Uh, what do you do there? I mean, how do you how do you tackle that? Yeah, I think student age and maybe uh, older children age is a crucial age for uh, thinking. But not just thinking, but thinking for yourself. So uh, I'm a bit of an outlier probably because my dad's a pastor and because I came to faith at a really young age. Uh, So I, I had doubts for sure. Like when I talk about doubt, I mean like doubting God's goodness or doubting salvation. Mm. Uh, obviously, I doubt myself a lot and I, and I doubt other people and sometimes the church. But as far as personal struggle with God's goodness, uh, I, don't, I just don't struggle there much. Mm-hmm. But what I do know from my personal life from, from being a youth pastor is... There's a lot of doubt that seems to happen when kids start thinking for themselves, start becoming adults, and it's no longer, I'm believing what my parents have taught me and what my youth pastor has taught me and Sunday school teachers have taught me, and this needs to become real for me. Yeah. Um, this needs to, I need to make my faith my faith, and, and then that's when like the rubber meets the road, Right. Like, is this real? Is is God real? Is he is he is he mm-hmm. is he good? And to be honest with you, if I'm a 15 year old kid right now or or adult, um, young adult, um, I mean that's a that's a tough question to answer. I mean, we've just went through nine months of a pretty awful pandemic, and uh, the church is the church. I think has has responded pretty well, but not just the pandemic, man. That that political climate that still exists but that we just went through it was bad socially that was just bad for i think teenagers so Mm -hmm. i think they are going to struggle with with doubt um but i think it can be a good thing because what they're trying to do is make their faith their own and once we've went through periods of doubt uh it makes our faith stronger and we can help others and i think that's where the text kind of is moving Right. Uh, towards you may not be experiencing doubt right now but there are some who are and you have experienced doubt uh, like Je- like Je- Jeff said if we're being honest I think all of us have experienced doubt um, whether to one extreme or the other but um, we can we can help others to, to, to kind of grow through yeah. that and to become more faithful to, to God and to others. Right. I mean, for me, uh, personally, I've experienced crippling doubt, like doubt, like the, the kind of doubt, like doubting God's existence kind of doubt, you know, that sort of thing. And um, as, a, as a Christian, especially as a young Christian, um, that sort of thing can really weigh heavy on you. And, you know, what the things you're talking about with the students and such. And, and for some, some would hear there may even be some who would hear me as a pastor say yeah sometimes i'm skeptical right sometimes i'm a skeptic that's just who i am and would automatically assume well then you're not a christian you know you're you're not you're not you're, or if you are a christian you're not a, you're not a strong christian you know and god must be certainly be displeased with you 
And there are times where even as a, as a Christian who struggles with doubt, who is a skeptic, I've thought those same things, right? Well, God certainly can't be pleased with me right now. How can I even, how can I even serve him when I'm harboring all, this, all these questions about him? And I think for someone like that, this verse that we're talking about here is so vitally important because you may completely disagree with somebody who's having those kinds of struggles, but there's a way to approach that. I mean, there's a, there's a way to approach someone who is struggling with doubt, whatever that doubt is, whether it's, the, whether it's the kind of doubt that I'm talking about, like spiritual, big type question doubt, you know, that kind of skepticism, or whether it's doubt of, of whether it's safe to come back to church or not, right? Or, or, or doubting himself, whatever it is. If somebody is struggling with doubt um, and is wavering in their faith, I think there's a proper response to that. Um, and, uh, well, let's just talk about that. How, what is the proper response to somebody who's, who's struggling like that? Um, I, I certainly don't think it's it's to, to attack them. You no, know? No. Well, I mean, Jude says, you know, have compassion, which, of course, is what Jesus showed him, showed Peter, showed everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so you approach it from a love point of view, like, okay, put yourself in their shoes. And so now I've got to enter into that conversation that they're having in their head. So you've got to ask the question, say, hey, you're so so you're having struggles with believing this or that. What what is it about this? You've got to enter into the conversation with them, mm-hmm. not not to try to debate them or argue with them or prove your point. Just to engage with them, and then you know share scriptures, share stories from life, books, uh, things like that, so that you can help them uh, get to the point where. Um, they don't. They, they're not struggling anymore, and they yeah. may or may not ever get to that point. But our role is to to, to help them, to guide them. I mean, one of my favorite passages in the Bible when it deals with doubt is after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus shows up, and everybody sees him, and they're all excited. And it says that, that many believe, and then it said, and some doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're seeing him right there, and they still. I mean, they saw him, and they still doubt it. Right. So I think for people to go in and try to tell people. Oh, come on, just get over it or try to debate them or try to argue with them or try to proof text them or try to do all this stuff to, or maybe giving them information without even engaging with them to find out what the struggle is all about. That's it, yeah. But if you show them love, then even in their doubts, they go, I, I may not agree with what that person is trying to tell me, but at least I know that person loves me and cares about me enough that they, they're not pushing me to the side. They're still wanting to be my friend. They're still yeah. wanting to help me. I think I think so many people get com- combative um, because that's just our nature. Um, <clears throat> especially if it's an opinion that, like, if it's an, a, a somebody's doubting something that we're so sure of, right? Then then our our sometimes what we do is we jump to to the to an aggressive defense of what we're sure of. And um, I'm reading this fascinating book right now. Um, I'm. By uh, Gregory Kukul, I don't know, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Called tactics, and this guy it, it, he's talking about ways to engage people in meaningful conversation, right? And one of the things he says is, if they get mad, I lose. Mm. If they get That's mad, good. I lose. Um, and, and so, 
he, he makes a good case for argument. That argument is a good thing. An argument is not necessarily a bad thing. But argument doesn't have to be aggressive attack, right? An argument can be something as simple as, as just... <clears throat> it's good for us to argue because then it helps us to, to shore up those areas where we are doubting. It helps the person to express what they're, what they're thinking. Like you said, to engage somebody with where their inner conversation is. But I really like that idea. If they get mad, I lose. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's, a, I think that's a really good way yeah. of looking at it. And I think it's also important if we ask them, like, when did they start to doubt? Like, did something have, like, continuing that dialogue of, like, hey, you know, when did you really start to have these doubts? Like, what happened? Did something happen? To the, were these doubts creepy in? Or, and I feel like if you ask, like, those kind of, like, basic questions that really get to the heart, you won't spend like 45 minutes covering like surface level stuff when you can really get to their heart and have like a more uh, effective conversation with the person. I think I think something, fellas, that we, we struggle with, and I don't know, maybe maybe you can answer this, Jeremiah. But I think sometimes the reason why, especially as ministers, as, as pastors, um, we want to be answer men, and what both of you guys are talking about. And what this guy is talking about in the book I'm reading as well is that we have to be listening in. Um, and, and I think listening is so key, Jeremiah. Yeah, so Paul, or sorry, not Paul. He did not write this. Jude <laughs> uh, talks about having compassion. Another word is mercy. Those are just words that don't come naturally to us, uh, but they are supernatural things that happen to the believer and to our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And Another word I want to add is patience. Um, and when I think of patience, I, I always put it in the perspective of, man, look how long it's taken God to get me where I'm at. And I'm not where I really want to be, but it's it's taken 31 years to get me here. Or you could say 26 years of being a Christian to get me here. Like Especially when I'm doing with youth or my, my own children even. like I've got to have immense patience because sure 26 years from now hopefully they'll be beyond where i'm at if that makes sense right and we want we want to fix everyone right now but god's been working on me for 26 years and he's had great patience with me and mercy and compassion and and grace so we just got to try to keep that perspective and to add to that point you know if you look in scripture like there's not a lot of times where god's it seems like to us he's just like right on the ball you know like to get the Israelites into the promised land was like what 40 years or yeah, something yeah sure <laughs> yeah and for the disciples I mean you see the disciples questioning Jesus over and over again it took them three years and even when Jesus rose up you know when he ascended into heaven they're still they're still looking into heaven and they're just kind of like what do we do now mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of, t- like I said, a lot of times in Scripture that the Lord's taking on. He doesn't, he doesn't kind of get on the ball. He kind of takes his time to really cultivate and all right. that. So to add to your point, yeah, patience is key. So we've talked a lot about doubt here, and, and, and that's good. I think that's important. Um, but the other two points of this, and maybe we can group them together. We can kind of talk about them. We'll, we'll talk about them a little bit separately here. Um, but I think they actually kind of come together. I think these two things are largely linked. Um, but we can, you know, we can make a difference when we urgently try to rescue those who have fallen away. Um, explain a little bit. What exactly do you mean by those who have fallen away? Because I, I want to 
want to be clear here because that can mean different things to different people. Okay, so um, obviously they were exposed to false teaching, and so in their doubt then, they didn't know which to believe, and then some then choose, I'm going to follow the false teaching. Mm-hmm. So at one time they believed, now they're in, in disbelief. So so I've kind of termed it falling away. So they were in the faith, now they've fallen away from the faith, and they're living uh, outside of a belief system now. And um, and I think I talked about how uh, we should treat them like they're lost because it says, you know, you're snatching them out of the fire. So in other words, they're close to, to damnation. They're close to judgment uh, if they're in disbelief, if they never believed to begin with. Right. So and you got to have discernment right? and all with that as well because it could just be somebody who <clears throat> got caught up in some, some false things. I mean, take, take for example, uh, the prosperity gospel. A lot of people... Uh, we're into prosperity gospel, but then they came out of the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. to the true gospel. So they've mm-hmm. fallen away from the false teaching. They're in true teaching now. Right. Um, but it was the false teaching that, that showed them that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. So, But somebody had to, to work with these people and show them, hey, this belief system they're teaching is wrong. It's not true Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had like uh, some some Christian musicians and People like that, you know, they get on their Twitter account, and I don't, I don't believe anymore. Right. So, and and so the response when you, that happens, and we talked about it, some people are like, we're going to be praying for you, we're still going to be your friend, we're going to be there to help you, and the other people's like, you're a heretic, you were never a believer to begin with. Yeah. So it's it's you see the clash there. So snatching them out of the fire, calling somebody a heretic, I don't think it's snatching them out of the fire. Right. I think snatching them out of the fire is. Well, I still love you. I still want to be your friend. I'm still here for you. I'll pray for you if you need me for anything. You pray for them. You cultivate with them. Uh, if you get opportunities, you still try to reach them for Christ. Uh, or, if, or if you just see someone like, um, you, you know, just that, that one shot kind of thing like I talked about yesterday. Maybe somebody on this, that comes here to our church and they say, hey, I want some money. Well, I could give them the money and then send them on their way, but those one-shot moments, you got to talk to them about the gospel. You never know. You'll never see that person again, mm-hmm. find out about them. So um, that was all kind of mixed in with what I was saying there. But I, I thought there was one, they fell into sin, which is the third verse. Mm-hmm. But this was more like they went from belief to disbelief. Right. And and so in, in this case, um, you know, um, this gets into some, some uh, some some thoughts here. Um, do and I, the way I understand you saying this doesn't fly in the face of say once saved always saved, right? You 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 think that if somebody is truly, um, truly a believer, right? That they they've they've had a salvation experience, a true salvation experience. That can they quote fall away into damnation. That I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that in the sermon too, that uh, I wasn't, I was, uh, we believe that, you know, if you're saved, you're going to persevere. But the problem is with this false teaching they were under was grace was licensed to do any way you want to. So if you if you came to believe, thinking that if I'm, if I'm going to believe and now I've got my get out of hell card, I can live my way anywhere want any way I want to then obviously we don't know maybe they had a false profession so that's why I think we should still treat them all as if they're lost because they're telling you I don't believe anymore 
and then try to win them back to Christ. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and like that, uh, there's a scenario I had personally where one of my friends, he was Southern Baptist at one point, made a profession of faith, and then kind of felt like he started to have this like call, you know, quote unquote, that he should go like witness to Mormons, and mm-hmm. eventually becomes a Mormon because he was not strong strong enough in the faith and like is he you know for me you know I ask is he saved or has he just fallen away I have no idea but you like you said you'd have to treat him as an unbeliever gently of course and you know so and and, and I, and I like that you qualified that yeah that, that you qualified that and said gently of course yeah because I think that um Maybe, Jeremiah, our gut reaction, or to some people's gut reaction to seeing some of these major Christian celebrities, right, um, come, come out and say, I'm no longer a believer, um, is, is to just attack and, and, like Jeff said, just call them, <clears throat> call them heretics, say that they were never believers to begin with. And, and, and they might be doing that in their mind in service of urgency, Right? Oh, it's urgent. Because it's urgent, I need, you know, look, if somebody's in a burning building, I'm not going to gently get them out of a burning no, building. Yeah. Right? You're not going to stand at their window and call <clears throat> them names either. Right, right. But but, but to, to, to get to my point, if somebody's in a burning building, I'm not going to be like, oh, come on out. Come on. Yeah. You know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so what do you say to someone that, I mean, where where is the line between urgency and gentleness there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we have a tendency to want to protect our purity. So when when a a well known big name Christian uh, comes out and says uh, I I no longer believe these things, we immediately want to say, man, they've been deceiving people because it looks bad on all of us for for a right. For a big name Christian to do something bad, it, it looks bad on all of us, and mm-hmm. we want to protect our image, protect our purity. Uh, but then you're right; maybe there's some who, who out of urgency, want to want to help that actual person. But I think it's more we attack those people because we're wanting to protect our image and protect mm-hmm. what's ours, right? And Christianity, and that's that's a noble thing uh, to protect the purity, but you got to understand if there's someone who who has been a Christian, quote-unquote Christian, a big-name Christian for 20 years, they're not going to take that decision lightly. Right. And when you talk about urgency, you're probably not going to convince them with... with your one tweet. Your oh, one yeah. heated <laughs> argument to go back after they've made this right. very life-changing decision. I think it'll take some patience again. I hate to just be on one thing, but patience and gentleness and, and respect. Um, we haven't brought, I mean, Jeff brought him up yesterday, but the way Jesus treated Thomas, I think is probably the best way we could go about it. Mm-hmm. Jesus knew Thomas had doubts, but never is he rebuked for his doubt by mm-hmm. Jesus. Never is he reprimanded he doesn't rebuke john either yeah john, he just reveals himself died. yeah he reveals and the way himself. jesus does it so i think jesus brings about the result because then thomas brings the most bold statement mm-hmm. 
by any disciple pre-resurrection for sure mm-hmm. when he calls Jesus my Lord and my God. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he at, at that point he's and like, he this fell down is and worshipped him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> he worshipped us. So, what would look like to others, he bowed down and worshipped a human, mm-hmm. which for Jews and for Christians both, you do not do. Right. But Thomas believed it was. This is not a human, a normal human. This yeah, is a, my God. Right. That's a really good point. What well, a phrase that I, I ran across also in some reading I've been doing is uh, that that our job as as Christians, as disciple makers. Um, somebody put it this way, that our primary goal is to cultivate Christian commitment. And I like that because um, it's not up to you and I necessarily to um, force someone into a, a set of beliefs or whatever. But our job is to gently garden and cultivate like, like we would with soil, to cultivate, and not just to cultivate Christian conversion, but Christian commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, these people who are falling away, Jeff, are clearly they've 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 had some waver in their commitment to faith, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's maybe that commitment was never solid to begin with, or it's because somebody's caused them to steer away from from the faith, mm-hmm. or maybe it's this third category: it's sin in their life, right? Um, but something has caused them to veer or to to um, to to lessen their commitment. And our job then is to do what we can to cultivate that Christian commitment. And I think the best way to do that is not necessarily, like you said, I really like what you said, but it came the way, that you don't sit there and yell at the window and call them names either if they're in a burning building. That's, that's so true. Yeah. And that's what so many people do. They see somebody in a burning building and they're like, you know, instead of just doing some action to cultivate their rescue, right, to, to make that come about, they just sit there and yell at them and, and berate them and say, ha-ha, you're in a burning building, you know. But that doesn't do any good. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, one thought I had as well, of course, he's not a believer, uh, Penn Gillette, you know, and I think you've used him, I've used him before, too, Yeah. where a guy gives him a card and talks to him at the end of his, one of his shows, and he's a Christian, he's real sincere, and he appreciates that, yeah. even though he's a believer. And then he makes this comment that uh, he doesn't have a problem with people trying to proselytize him or talk to him. Mm-hmm. Because he said, what kind of hate would you have to have for someone that if you really believed this stuff and you didn't tell them? And I think that's kind of what Jude is saying here about the getting them out of the fire. Yeah, That if you really love these people, you need to try to at least go talk to them, try to make an effort. Um, and it may just be a one time and, and then you're not in, involved in their life anymore. They don't want to have anything else to do with you. But mm. you've got to at least try. Yeah. Try. I mean, every fireman that goes to try to save people, they don't save everybody in the fire. Yeah. I mean, look at 9-11. You know, actually men lost their lives trying to save people, but not everybody got saved. Yeah. Not everybody got rescued. But people do. You have <laughs> to try to make the attempt. Right. And in the end... The rescue isn't on you or I anyway. We're powerless to rescue. All we can do is point them to that rescuer. Mm-hmm. Hey, Blake, I, I, you're the youngest one in the room here, so I'll point this question at you. Um, when we're talking about addressing 
people who have doubts or people who have fallen away or people who are in sin. How useful is it to do so across social media? Is is there is there is there a benefit to using social media? Is it is it both a blessing and a curse, or is it mostly just not good at all to use that? I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. Depending on how you use it, it can be a blessing and a curse. Because um, there was one time where uh, I just bought a book. Uh, what was that? Not God Enough by J.D. Greer. Mm-hmm. And I had posted on Instagram just talking about how I was excited to, you know, start to kind of get this idea of like how big God is and mm-hmm. how uh, a lot of our problems were because we really don't have a good view of God and how big he actually is. And sure. so I posted a picture of it. And this guy that that I graduated from high school with, I think he's at like UNC Wilmington or something, just randomly out the blue to, uh, just direct messages me and says, hey man, can you get me a copy? And I, nothing, nothing that I had said. Like I said, I haven't spoken, I hadn't spoken to that guy in two or three years probably. And he just asked for a copy. So I said, of course, you know, if you just send me your address, I'll be more than happy to get you a copy. So I think, I think, you know, if you use social media strategically and prayerfully, you know, be amazed at what God can do. Mm-hmm. You know, just be amazed at what God can do. But if you're also the bombastic, like, uh, my point is the only point kind of, you know, uh, a real just adamant, and it's like it can draw people off. So you have to be careful. But I think social media is a great great too. I mean, I use it when I talk about prayer for the nation and whatnot and gets a lot of good response. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of, ha- not really any hatred and comments or anything. So I think if you just use it strategically and prayerfully and just ask, you know, would Jesus, would I post this if Jesus was beside me kind of mentality, I think you'll be alright with social media. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? What would Jesus post? WWJP. No, what 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 do you think? Do you think uh do you want to add to that? No, I mean what was the original question? Well I was like basically if you knew somebody who was uh maybe they post something about, you know, I'm I'm having having doubts or, or posting something. I've got a friend of mine um who uh, has been posting lots of stuff about how she's glad that she divorced herself from the church, and yeah. um, and and I've struggled with okay, do I try to and I mean aggressive stuff, yeah. um, and I thought do I try to do this over social media because I don't have contact with this person any longer. I don't I don't yeah. really I'm not in that person's life. I'm not I'm not present with them. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not on the phone with them. I don't have conversations with them. We have, I've said, I've maybe texted four or five sentences to this person over the last year, yeah. right? So do is that a good place for me to engage or not engage? What do you think? It sounds like if you're going to engage them, it's the only place where yeah. you can engage them. Because you just don't have normal everyday contact with them. Which stinks. I mean, you hope and pray that they've run into they run into at some point another strong believer that they can converse with. But I'm not opposed to, and I've done it in the past, just sending them a direct message and and just making yourself available. Like, yeah, I have hey, done that in the past. If you want to talk about this, or I saw this post, 
Uh, but do it with gentleness. Don't be don't don't immediately like your first DM to them. Don't immediately attack. You said this, you're wrong. You said this, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. They may be, yeah. Uh, at least from your from a biblical perspective, which is the correct perspective. But it's still you still want to be gentle. Like, hey, I'm available. I understand. I, and maybe even suggest I've had I've had similar questions, similar thoughts. Uh, and maybe be specific. Like you said this, I, I, I've thought this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to have a conversation? And people, whether they actually have the conversation with you or not, they remember that. Oh, I yeah. remember, When people have done that to me in the past, I don't always go back to them, but I remember it. And, yeah. and, I, and I always keep it in the back of my head. Like if I, if I ever really needed something, I feel like that person actually cares about me. Mm-hmm. So... I could go to them if I want to. Good deal. So that's my suggestion, I guess. No, I like that. I like that. Um, Jeff, you're not on social media. But you use text and yeah. stuff. Would you Would you address somebody over text message? Well, I mean, it's like any other form of communication or avenue that you'll use. Um, if, if that's the only way you can addressing that I wouldn't do it like a, an open public forum right I would do it uh, privately and just say hey, you know hey I'm here for you if you if you know um, sometimes the best thing to do is agree with them like yeah you, you're right the church is messed up mm-hmm. and people in the church do wrong things and the, the church as an institution does need a lot of fixing but the, the problem with the church is not that it's not those things in and of itself. The problem with the church is we're all people. Mm. And um, she's got a church. It's just not a, a church church. Right. So everybody's going to, they're going to go to somebody for their social uh, contacts, for their support, mm-hmm. for their encouragement. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even the unbelievers. Uh, the atheists try to create these these Sunday discussion groups and all because they know the the community is what it's all about. You know, coming yeah. together, struggling with other people in their struggles. Yeah. And so I think if you in, 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 engage them as, hey, I'm a fellow struggler, and if you have if you want to talk about this stuff, I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. That's right off the bat. So I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. I just like to share some of my stories, hear where you're coming from. And see if I can help you during this time in your life. Whether you ever become back to the church or not doesn't really matter to me. I just want to be there for you. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you approach people that way better, then there's no hidden agenda. There's no strings attached. You're not. They're not a number or a notch. You're actually genuinely trying to say, "Hey, you know, I want to try to be your friend during right. this time in your life." Yeah. I was a. Uh, whenever Lee Strobel came to chapel, I think it was a year or two ago. He was talking about how his church has like this, uh, like this group. It's almost like an outreach, and they say like, "Hey, if you've ever had like where they reach out to the community and they kind of target like atheists or uh, mm-hmm. people like that." And it's like, "Hey, if you've ever had questions, just come to this little group, and we're not going to sit here. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to tell you you're wrong or anything. We've got some people who are, you know, were atheists in the past and have uh, come to Christ, and we just love to get to know you and." Just answer your questions if you have any or see where you're at. And they have fellowship with them. They, like, go into homes and, like, uh, you know, have meals with these people. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about how there's a lot of good gospel impact in something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think the key is, and you said it. <clears throat> everybody's looking for those. They're going to find community somewhere, mm-hmm. and and they're going to find someone with who to engage in dialogue. And then we, as the church, I think, have to keep in mind um, that what sets us apart from all those other communities, <clears throat> excuse me, of dialogue and such, is that we do what we do out of love. We do what we do out of gentleness and respect, just like in First Peter 3, 15, 16, right? But in your heart's regard or set apart Christ the Lord is holy and be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience uh, so that when you're accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. So the idea is that we are to do everything we just talked about doing. Address those things, even if it's sin, right? Uh, address those things, but always do it with an attitude of gentleness and respect because, quite frankly, that's how our Lord did it. Yeah. Mm. So, all right, that's it for today. Uh, we've gone a little bit over here, but that's all right. It's a good discussion. Appreciate you fellas for joining us on this. And uh, looking forward to next week. I normally give you a preview, but I got no idea what we're doing next week, Jeff. Well, I'm probably going to look at the prayer in Philippians chapter 1. I think it starts in verse 9. There's a three-verse prayer that that uh, Paul has for the Philippian church. Oh, I love that prayer. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. So I think I'm going to deal with that. I, it's coming I really like that prayer a lot. You guys need to go and read that right now because that, that's going to be a great message if that's what you're Because I'm figuring you know, a lot of people might have put... Uh, have a better prayer life in their, you know, resolutions. So I was looking for a good prayer to, to uh, preach through. Oh, that's, a, a that's a good one. It's one of my favorites. All right. I did. It's <laughs> part of my New Year's resolution. Okay, great. Tune awesome. in Sunday then. Yeah. <laughs> tune, tune, tune in Sunday and come back here next week at uh, Monday Main Point. We'll talk about it in more detail. We'll see you guys then. Thanks for listening. So long.